Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm always glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode, and I say this on every show. First, if you have not already done so, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also share the show with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. And secondly, you know that we recently launched the Move the Ball merchandise store. There is a link in the show notes. So go check that out, pick yourself up some swag and rock that you're a part of the Move the Ball movement, because you know that together we move the ball. All right. For today's episode, I've got a great guest with us, someone who has been in the league for a number of years inside the huddle today and ready to talk about his experience and share what he does to move the ball is Cornelius Lucas. Hi, Cornelius. How's it going? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I am good. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. You're currently down in New Orleans training in the off season. And I was recently down there and saw you. You were training with my guy, Derek Joseph, DJ. So quick shout out to him. I know he, he's a great trainer, great coach, and he's just a good hearted person who genuinely wants to see people succeed and perform at their best, whether you're a pro athlete or you're just one of his high school kids that he's training. So we'll talk about shout your training. Yeah, shout out to D. Joe. So we'll talk about your training in just a minute, but let me share a little about your background for our listeners. So Cornelius is an NFL offensive tackle who currently plays for the Washington Commanders. He played college football at Kansas State. In addition to playing for Washington, some of the other teams that Cornelius has played for are the Detroit Lions, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Chicago Bears. All right, Cornelius, are you ready to move the ball? And the Saints. You forgot the and Saints. The Saints. I oh, I got to say, <laughs> I gotta say the Saints. Saints. You're, you're right. I got to say the Saints <laughs> since you're from New Orleans. Let's not forget yeah. that. A two-week stint. <laughs> that counts. That's, you, you still suited up. <laughs> so, yes, the Saints as well. So, let's kick off our chat around training. We're currently in the off-season. You're getting ready for training camp. My listeners know that the whole Move the Ball movement started because I wrote a book about football. And how the game teaches you so many things to be successful in business in your career in life. In that book, there's an acronym called Mad Pride, which I say are eight elements that separate the elite from the rest. One of those elements is this improvement focus mentality and always looking at how you can be better. When you look at the things you're focused on this off season, where are you looking to improve upon? I would say number one, just getting stronger, getting more explosive, but also refining my skills taking a, a slightly different approach this offseason. Plan on working with a guru. Can't really mention his name just yet because we haven't set it in stone just yet. But I really want to refine my skills slightly and just keep sharpening that axe so I can stay fresh. And you know that being elite is all about differentiation and separation. And in the NFL, everyone's good, right? So what are some of the things that you think that DJ's program does that really helps you to keep you at your best and separate you from your peers? 
Ooh, I would say that DJ keeps us footwork wise. He's a really like a guru at it. And we do a lot of footwork. We do a lot of conditioning. We do a lot of lifts and a lot of Olympic lifts. It's almost like he takes it back to college almost in his preparation and the amount of reps and the amount of things that we do. And it really keeps you keen and, and locked into the preparation part of it. Because some trainers you can get with and they kind of water it down to be more so set on keeping you healthy or keeping you fresh. And you never really get to the work part. But at DJ, that's not the, that's not the case. Gotcha. When you look at the offensive tackle position, what do you think are the skills necessary to really succeed in the league? You have to have a one snap and clear mentality. As in, when I say that, meaning like you get beat one snap, but that's only one snap. You have to come back. You can't get beat after that snap. You have to be a problem solver. You have to be able to see around corners. You have to be able to predict the moves you want to get. You have to be selfless. The only stats that you accumulate are negative. in offensive line period so yeah you have to be selfish you have to be worried about your brother you have to be on top of the game great answer I like that so you've been in the league for many years now going into year nine how has your perspective changed over the years regarding the NFL as being a business from when you first came into the league and and how prepared were you then versus like your mentality now oh that's a good question I don't think it really has changed coming into the league undrafted I got a lot of smoke blown at me, like, oh, we're going to draft you here, we're going to draft you there, and I went undrafted. So I kind of saw how the smoke blowing kind of happens at an early state. So going into that, I kind of had my mind set on, like, just knowing that that happens and seeing it every year in and out, being a part of it or just being an observer of it. It really is a business, and you have to be on top of the game every day that you're out there. And when you see rookies coming into the league and making that transition from college to pro ball, where do you see some of the struggles or challenges at both for guys that have been drafted as well as undrafted free agents? Guys simply not being mentally prepared for the workload. It won't be like NFL days. It probably won't be the hardest day that you've had, but you have to be mentally locked in each day and every day. And that goes on for a season. And I feel like a lot of guys aren't really ready for that, like that mental exhaustion of that. Gotcha. Yeah, it's definitely a mentally taxing profession to be physically as well, but also mentally, because you have to be on top of your game every single day. And that right there takes a toll on your mind. Absolutely. So I ask people this question all the time. I mean, for me, I've been a student of the game since I was four years old. I wrote a lot about those strategies and lessons that I picked up from the game in this move the ball. Book, what are some of the things that you've taken away from football that you think are important to being successful in business and just anything outside of like the discipline, the hard work? Because everybody talks about those things. Are there any other specific lessons that you've taken away? I would say being prepared, being able to see around corners. I would say being able to outwork your competitor, being able to show up early and leave late, being able to do the things that other people aren't willing to do because at the end of the day, that's really what separates us as, as, as individuals. Yeah, that's a great answer. Because as I mentioned, I mean, being elite is all about separation, differentiation, no matter what it is, whether you're a professional athlete or trying to be successful in your career in the corporate field or as an entrepreneur, it's all about how do you make yourself better prepared, a better performer and set yourself out from the rest. And so to your point, I mean, just being able to outwork 
people, we all know you got to put that work in, right? And, and so it's it's not about showing up the same time everybody else does. It's about doing the extra, whatever is required so that you can't outperform the others around you. So I'm going to ask you this question too, that I, I also ask people. So I've been in love with the game my entire life. What about football made you fall in love with it? Oh, I actually have a peculiar story. I didn't really have a love for football. I didn't like growing up without a father. I didn't really have anyone to push me into sports. Kind of played on the streets growing up and in my neighborhood or whatever. But when I got to Edna Carr, I had a coach by the name of Jabbar Jaduk. And he'd be like, man, you really need to get out there. And I'd just like blow him off. And he'd be like, man, give me five push-ups. Give me 10 push-ups. And I couldn't do it. And I'd be like in the middle of the hallway struggling, like trying to get up. And so I would go home and just do push-ups to make sure next time he asked me to do them, I'd be ready to do them. Eventually that turned into like me stepping out there and really put it together piece by piece. You know what I'm saying? Kind of, it was kind of like self-taught with the help of the coaches that I've had along the way. But each piece that I had was really like incremental. And you mentioned going to Edna Carr, just a fun fact. We've actually had another Edna Carr great on the show. Mr. Pat Sertan was on earlier this season. Shout out to Pat. He's a good dude. I was just texting with him the other day. For the listeners, I'm going to have another Edna Carr person on the show soon. I will not reveal who it is just yet. So you have to stay tuned for that. But when you look at your time playing high school ball, I mean, coaches play such a huge role in the influence that they make on their athletes. Is there any advice that any of the coaches gave you that's really stuck with you to this day to help you to be successful? I have so many bits and pieces of advice. I would say the most influential part is how to breathe. Like when I first got out there, like I didn't know how to like control my breath. And like I would just run a couple of sprints and just be dead tired and just learning how to like breathe in, breathe into your nose and out through your mouth and just controlling your breath and learning how to pace, like not pace yourself, but learning how to breathe and control your, control your breath. That was probably like the number one lesson I learned. Gotcha. It's interesting you talk about that too, because I'm listening to that. And when you look at like high performance experts in the business world, they talk about like the importance of breathing as well. So it's not so much because you're physically taxing your body, but it's just about that's how you can kind of regulate your body, you know, be more efficient, handle stress. And it's really more so like mind over matter and basically like putting your body in the state of like we're about to work, we're working right now. This is how we're going to make it through this work by breathing. So as long as you focus on your breath and focus on like, your next rep and making sure that you're there breath-wise, you're good. Absolutely. Now, you chose to go to Kansas State to play college football. Why K-State? Oh, that was my biggest offer. I had a lot of smaller schools around the area. I really, really wanted to go to LSU, but they never sent me a piece of mail or anything. So K-State called me, and I got up there, and they offered me I really liked the the campus and I really liked the guys that were hosting me and I felt like it would be good for me to get away. And however many years it's been, we're here now. And Kansas is a little bit different climate than New Orleans. Oh, you get all four seasons. Yes. So how, how was that adjustment for you playing in much colder weather? Oh man, my senior day, I think it was like negative 15. That was like the only game my family made it to and it was negative 15. But yeah, you get all four seasons in Kansas. It gets really cold. It gets really hot. Yeah, it was something to get used to. Now, you redshirted in 2009. In 2010, you appeared in 12 games. Same in 2011. You also played it in 12 games. That was special teams. Yes. And so what was that What was that experience like for you playing special teams? Uh, field goal block. 
being absolutely cold and out of the game and just running in, rushing in whenever we score a touchdown and getting run over for however many plays a game. But it was a learning experience. And in 2012, you ended up starting all 13 games at left tackle. So what were you doing in 2010 and 2011 to ensure that you would be ready and perform and can get that starting job? Oh, like I say, like the, my love for football kind of gradually built its way up. So when I got to college, it was most like, oh, I have a chance to like get an education for free. So like my love for football and my dedication wasn't really there. So those years were kind of like a build up, And I had like a stint where like one of my family members, she had like a bunch of health stuff and I like watched her go through that. And I just felt like if she could pull through all of these things that she was going through, why could I not put my best foot forward in the football? I, it was really like an eye-opening experience because after that offseason I had with her, I came back and I was almost like a completely different player. Gotcha. And the following season, you also started all 13 games and you actually were a member of the team that took the Wildcats to their first bowl victory in like 11 years. So what was that like to get that bowl win? Oh, that was the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. We didn't get any wings at that bowl. <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. We went to four bowl games, I think, my time there, and that was the only one we won. So it just felt good to get a dub in that category. For sure. So when you look back at your time at K-State, you ended up playing in 50, 50 games. What was your most memorable experience? It may not be tied to a game. It could just be being at K-State. But what is something that you'll take away from being there? Probably winning the Big 12. I think that was versus Texas. All the fans stormed the field. My girlfriend at the time was there. All my family and friends were there. It was just like the one hell of an experience. Everyone was celebrating. It was just a great feeling. You know what I'm saying? Nice. Now, let's move forward and talk about your transition into the league. You mentioned earlier that you had signed as an undrafted free agent. So shortly after the 2014 NFL draft on May 12th, you signed with the Detroit Lions. Like, what, Walk us through kind of that conversation with the Lions or with your agent that you're getting picked up and then just going to minicamp, OTAs, that kind of thing. I was in New Orleans watching the draft, watching player after player go, and coaches are calling me like, hey, we might take you here, we might take you here, sit tight, we might take you here. And two days of the draft go by, and now the draft is over with, and Detroit calls me, and they're really excited to get me in. I had other teams calling me, but like Detroit kept calling me, so I couldn't really click over to talk to anyone else at the time. But yeah, it ended up working out for me. It was in Detroit like the next, like the next two or three days. Yeah, it was a quick transition. I landed, put my best foot forward, and we're here now. It ended up working out for me because this, our first regular season game, I was like the fourth tackle, so I wasn't really dressing. Our right tackle got hurt, and our swing tackle got hurt all in the same game. And the next week, I was like up. So I played a lot my rookie year. So it ended up working out pretty well for me. And when you look at your transition, was there anything eye-opening for you, I mean, you had already mentioned that you were kind of aware of this business and that how, you know, people have been blowing smoke and stuff, but was there anything surprising to you? I wouldn't say surprising because coming from K-State, I was kind of like mentally disciplined or mentally beaten. I don't know. It was just cutthroat. You know, the business is really cutthroat. You have to perform each and every day, especially being undrafted. So, yeah, I already had it in my mind. Like, I'm here undrafted. These people really didn't want me, so I have to put my best before every day. I have to, like, outwork everyone that I'm around. Like, I have to do these extra things. And uh, I do a lot of work with pro athletes as well as corporate professionals. And one thing that I, I really emphasize is the importance of having mentors to help you grow and they can kind of guide you 
throughout your career, when you're a rookie, but also just, you know, as you're moving on a mid-career professional, a veteran, it's important to have those people. Were there anybody that you kind of linked up with at the Lions that really helped take you under their wing and kind of show you the ropes? I would probably just say our O-line group. We had a bunch of vets in the room that been there, played a lot of ball, did a lot of things. There was a lot of experience in the room and just being a fly on the wall, just like Don Riola. This guy played in the league for 15 years. He was like the man of Detroit and just watching him work and watching him go about his day and watching him, how he handled himself and how he prepared. And along with like our tackles, Corey Hilliard and we had a guard, Rob Sims, like just watching those guys, like how they did things. That was just enough. I always grew up like just watching people and watching, like I've always been very observant. So it was easy for me to pick up on those things when I got there. And did any of them say anything to you that can't to help you just be prepared for being a rookie in the business? Be prepared. <laughs> be ready to go. <laughs> gotcha. And so when you look back at play, you were with the Lions for a few seasons. When you look at your time there, what were some of the things that you really liked about being a part of that organization? I think that we were one of the first teams to go to the playoffs with Jim Caldwell. I think I was just overall excited just to be in the NFL, like, just to be on a team, just to have the opportunity. We went to London, like my first two or three seasons. I don't know, just having that whole experience, it was just a lot to take in. And in 2017, in September, you ended up being waived by the Lions, got picked up shortly by the Rams. And so what is that like? I mean, I think people know that it's cutthroat business. There's always people competing for your spot. But what is it like emotionally to learn that they're letting you go? And then in that time period, while you're waiting to figure out what what's my next move? So with that whole situation, they signed me to my original tender, which was like a certain amount. And then once they got to like closing of camp, they were like, we want you to take a pay cut. And I was like, no, I don't want to take a pay cut. Why would I want to do this for cheaper than what I'm already going to pay for? It turned into a numbers game and you getting out the door. And that was like my first dose of the real cutthroatness of it because I had to immediately go home and pack my apartment up and play the waiting game and the Rams called me and I was on the other end of the country in the next week. You know what I'm saying? Learn a whole different system, learn a whole different way of how to play football and a whole different techniques and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, life comes at you fast. And it's it does. And, and you, you talk about having to pack up your stuff and wait for what's next. And when you get that call from the Rams, I mean, it's get up and go. You're, you're on a plane and you're headed out. So so there's no like, oh, I need 30 days to move my stuff. That's not how that works. Not at all. And so culturally, how was the Rams organization different than the Lions? I would say when I got with the Rams, everything was proactive. Everything was like science-based. Everything was structured around you being your best self so we can be our best team so we can win. And everything was centered around that. If it didn't have anything to do with you being your best self or us being the best team or us winning, it wasn't in the building. It had, it had no room in the building. Coach McVay, a hell of a coach, had a fresh mind, still had a fresh mind. Just the way he prepared, the, the way that he formatted practice. It was a new way of doing things, and I really loved it. It was one of the best teams I've been on. And when you look at Coach McVeigh, since you mentioned him, like, what do you think makes him unique and different in the league? Man, his energy. His energy, his take on things, the way he prepares, the way he sees the game. As a coach, I feel like that's the thing, the way you see the game, the way you can convey it to your players. And he just does a hell of a job at that. Gotcha. So let's fast forward. So you mentioned that you had a brief stint 
with the Saints. Tell us about that two-week period. I'm sure it felt good to be home. So I, I did a season with the Rams and then came back. They re-signed me. They re-signed me back, and then they ended up drafting three alignment. They already had a starting five. So if you know anything about the league, that's eight guys. I'm out the door already. So after camp, they cut me. I was on the street in L.A. for 14, 15 weeks. I went on maybe eight visits, eight workouts, two teams twice. They all said they had they were on a fire room assignment. It just didn't happen. So the Saints called me, and I was very like about to give up on the season. I was like, man, we'll just figure this out next season. Like, it's only two weeks left. And they called me, and I kind of like looked at it, and I put my phone on, they ignored it. And then my agent called me in the morning, like, yo, you getting on this plane? Like, the Saints want you to be there today. And I'm like, man, I don't know, man. I'm tired of doing this workout thing. And so I ended up like, okay, I'll just go give it another shot. And I got down there, did the workout, they signed me, and I practiced that entire week. And then they brought me in on Saturday and were like, hey, we have to bring one of our wide receivers up. So we're going to have to cut you, but stay around because we're going to bring you back because we need guys to play for our last game of the season because they didn't have any tackles. So I got cut. It was extremely embarrassing to me because it was in front of my hometown. And they brought me back for a second time. And then I did another week of practice and started that game. It was the only game I played that season. I feel like I played one of the best games I ever played simply by just visualizing and the want to of just wanting to be back out there and wanting to like play good and wanting to look good. And they cut me after that because the guys were healthy again. Luckily, the Bears saw that game and they signed me. So, And being from Chicago, we're glad to have you part of the team <laughs> for, for a little bit. But you brought something up that I think is important. You talked about how you, know, you ended up getting cut because they didn't need to bring a wide receiver up. And I mean, that's just the business of the NFL. Yeah, it's a numbers game. Sometimes you're the last guy in, so you're the first guy out. Right. And so they might need a different position. And so if it's a 53-man roster, you can't have another person on there. So that's just the way, that's just the nature of the business. So now you're up in Chicago. What was it? Another cold, cold climate? What was it like for you being up in Chicago? So being in Detroit, I had played in Chicago maybe three or four times. You know what I'm saying? Like, because they were, they were in our conference. So it wasn't like completely new to me, but that's another like world-class organization. They spare no expense on like having the guys prepared and having the things that you need. It was overall a good time. I got to play a lot there. Got to show my stuff. They gave me an opportunity. I'm always be grateful for that. It was another step in my ladder of success, I guess. But yeah, it was a good time. And when you look at the city of Chicago, I mean, Chicago, I'm from there. Chicago so is be beautiful. Like, it is a beautiful city. So what are some of your favorite things that you liked about being in Chicago? Oh, the architecture, the food the skyline oh yes driving up the skyline i think that might be number one and harold's <laughs> harold's chicken i gotcha so are you a deep dish pizza guy or no uh once a year it's i can't eat it more than once a year because i just be 400 pounds <laughs> it's a lot is there a spot that you particularly like for those that are in chicago or thinking about going there and trying some chicago pizza luminati's i've had luminati's and what's the other one other uh giordano's yes giordano's yep Luminize and Giordano's. I think Luminize was, I like Luminize more than I like Giordano's. I think, the, I think the sauce is better. Gotcha. One of my good friends and former classmate from MBA school is a senior executive CFO with Luminati. So I'm going to pass that on to him for their, <laughs> okay. their pizza. And I'll give my, my friend Bob a shout out to Bob Nigren. He's an awesome guy and we've been friends. Shout out to Bob. Time. There you go. Shout <laughs> out to Bob. All right. So let's move forward. You're now with Washington. First, it was the Washington football team. 
they changed their name, they rebranded to the Washington Commanders. And so that's what you're playing now. What has your experience been? And what was it like kind of going through that rebrand? Yeah, we came in, I think we were the Redskins when I came in. And then we went to the football team. And I thought like it was kind of cool. Like, it was very generic, but it was straight to the point. We were the WFT. Yes. <laughs> so don't get it confused with WTF. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of cool having a football, like just the Washington football team. And then going to the commanders, having to rebrand all over again. So anytime I'm like somewhere and I'm telling people who I play for, they're like, who? Do you play for the commanders? Who? Who is that? <laughs> and I just have to revert back to the football team. And you don't remember that. And I have to revert back to what it was called before. That's not really politically correct. So we can't really say those things. And so you, you were with Washington during the COVID year. What was it like for you? And there was a lot of adjusting. I mean, no fans in the stands, obviously. And so how was that year like just, you know, kind of trying to figure it out? That first game, first regular season game, you could hear a rat piss on cotton. It wasn't anyone in the stands. It was just the only noise you heard were the guys that were on the field. So, like, you could just imagine, like, a music video with no music. And it's just guys, like, just making noise from them dancing. And, you know, that's kind of how it was. But it was cool. It was different. It was really different. The first year of COVID didn't get me, but the second year of COVID really caught me by storm. I caught COVID three times in one year. And, yeah, it was the second year of COVID was something else. Gotcha. And so how did you guys stay? I mean, a lot of players will talk about, like, the energy from the fans in the stadium. And so how do you stay locked in or how do you keep yourself going? I mean, it's football, so that keeps you good. But, but like, it's a diff- it's different when you don't have all that energy and fan noise. It's different, but at the end of the day, you're still self-motivated. You're still a professional, and that's how you have to approach each game. And, you know what I'm saying, much didn't change. I actually kind of liked it because it wasn't any crowd noise. So being away games, you don't have to go on silent. You don't have to look at the ball to make sure it's snapped. So we was able to, like, you know, go with our regular procedures each week. I gotcha. Good point. So something I like to ask guys about, we, we talked earlier about how this game is physically taxing. It's also mentally taxing. And I feel like social media has helped shed more light on what it's like to be a pro athlete because people will share their stories and struggles and things they go through. When you look at kind of the challenges of being a pro athlete, what are some of those that you have either gone through or that you know some of your teammates might have gone through? Sacrifices, making sacrifices, being away from your family for holidays and getting up and making yourself work out when you really don't feel like doing it or when no one's looking. Just being that professional athlete day in and day out, that's one of the hardest times because it really takes dedication and discipline because no one's going to do the work. You have to put the work in. For sure. And if you don't, there's somebody else that is putting that work in and ready to take your spot. There is someone else that's right next to you working just as hard or harder. Right. Now, something I want to ask you about is, you know, football is going to at some point come to an end, but you've been doing great so far. First off, let me go here. I mean, you've been in the league for nine years. The average NFL career is only two and a half years-ish, depending on your position. So what have you been doing to really, you know, just ensure your longevity in the league? Seeing around corners, preparing myself, preparing my body as hard as I can, trying to reinvent myself making sure that I don't make the same mistake twice because that's another thing. Like when you get in the league, young guys will come in and they'll make a mistake and the coaches will be like, oh yeah, it's cool. And then they'll make it again. And they'll be like, you can't do this. And then they'll make it again. If you make one mistake, you can't make that one again. Find another mistake to make. You can't make the same mistake twice. 
Right. Cause that mistake can be costly. Yeah. It can be costly and it shows and it shows that you can't learn and coaches want to know that you can learn. Absolutely. So where I was going with the football will come to an end. I think a lot more players are realizing, Hey, I need to be prepared for what's next because I don't know how long my career is going to be here. I know something that you're doing right now is you're in real estate. You've got some Airbnb properties. Why was that important to you? Why did you want to get into real estate? Well, my grandfather was in the real estate. And so growing up around him, just seeing him tend to his houses and tend to his business. And that was kind of like a cheat code for me because I already had like a backdoor look at how things are run. So I always knew like, once I build my money up, I'm going to have properties because that's how the rich get richer. They buy property and they sit on it and they, they take the money from the appreciation and they wrote it in other stuff. Right. And have there been any um, experiences doing Airbnb that have not been pleasant? Have you ever had any bad renters, so to speak? I think like my first guest, my very first guest, they got here and they like had the music up loud and they smoked my place out, smelled like weed. and But ever since then, it hasn't really been much of anything. Oh, well, that's good that you've had generally some pleasant. Yeah, yeah usually generally. Like just, it's like wear and tear, like a towel rack falling down or the floor might get scraped up, but you're running, a, you're pretty much essentially running a hotel. So you got to be prepared to cover those expenses. For sure. So when football is done, hopefully not for some time yet, what other things are you interested in doing besides real estate? I want to get into mentoring. I really want to be the guy that I needed growing up. I lost my father at the age of seven to a swimming accident. So I felt like throughout my life, I've always looked for individuals for guidance. Like just being a fly on the wall, just observing people. And I kind of want to like just give what I've accumulated back to the people that might need it. Oh, I love that. Because something that I also share a lot on the show is being able to move the ball is not just about you and your career. It's about the impact you make on other people. Yeah, yeah. And I want to travel the world. That's a good plan, too. It's always good to go travel. There's lots of beautiful spaces to check out all across the globe. Where is the one place that you would want to go that you haven't been yet? I want to do like a much long backpack trip across Europe and I want to make it to Africa. So whichever one comes first, Africa or a backpack across Europe. Sounds like two fun adventures for sure. Well, what I want to do now, Cornelius, is I want to run you through my two minute drill. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. Let's see. All right. First question is when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I wanted to be a civil engineer. Oh, very nice. And so I have two engineering degrees. Some of my listeners know that. Why that profession? I've always had a knack for how things are built and how things, you know what I'm saying? Like how they put stuff, how they build these big structures. I had a class where we got to like put stuff together and it just really, I really took like a liking to it. And it was just something that I wanted to do. Nice. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Three words I would use to describe myself. Let's see, intuitive, dedicated, and observant. Great three words. Next question is, what is one thing most people don't know about you? I used to be in a band. What did you play? I was percussion, like snare drum, bass drum. I did that for a while before I got into football. Nice. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Ooh, Lil Wayne, money on my mind, money on my mind. Nice choice. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Not currently reading anything, but the last book I read was Rick Ross. 
I think it was called, it's actually sitting up here. It's the perfect day to boss up. Mm. <laughs> I think Sounds it's the perfect day, perfect day to get rich or something like that. All right. Next question. You're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? A Nipsey Hussle, the late Nipsey Hussle. I would probably invite P. Diddy <laughs> and maybe Malcolm X. And why would you choose those three? Reading Malcolm X's book and watching his movie, I felt like he shed a lot of light on like our problems like, in the Black community. So just wanted to pick his brain on, pick his brain more on those thoughts that are in his book. With Nipsey Hussle, he's like one of my favorite rappers in college. He came out like he was he was coming out as I was in college and like a lot of his music got me through a lot of days in college. You know what I'm saying? Like his dedication, his grind that really like the music, like the things that he put in his music really like helped me get through college and get me to where I'm at to this day. And just with P. Diddy, like another self-made, almost I think he's a billionaire, self-made millionaire guy just keeps reinventing himself, stays fresh. I just feel like there's a lot of wisdom between those three people. Great three choices. All right. My last question is, do you sing in the shower? Mm, it depends on who's listening. Okay. <laughs> All right. So as we look to close the show, let people know, where can they follow you? Where are you at on social media? Oh, man. On social media, you just type my name in, Cornelius Lucas on Instagram, or c.lucas78. On Twitter, it's Larry Lovestein. I haven't changed my handle for that. And yeah, those are my two places to be found. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search my name. Perfect. I'm glad to hear that you're on LinkedIn too, because it's such an important spot to be from a business professional standpoint. So we will have those links in our show notes so people can connect with you and follow you on your journey. As we look to close the show, any last thoughts for our listeners? I feel like the world is in a very crazy place right now. And I would just tell everyone to pray, stay calm and stay motivated and see the best in people and the best in situation and the best in things. Because right now it's really hard to do that. Just stay positive because that's what's really going to get us through this, this time that we're in right now. Love it. Some great final thoughts for sure. Well, Cornelius, thank you so much for being on the show today. No, thanks for having me. And thank you to everyone for listening and we will catch you next time. Once again, if you haven't yet done so, hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss a future episode. Tell a friend or two or three about the show or more. And again, go check out the show notes so you can see the Move the Ball merchandise store link. Go get your swag and rock that you're a part of the Move the Ball movement. All right, everyone, we'll catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.